I want you to turn to Psalm 27. Psalm 27. We're going to talk tonight an expectant heart. I'm sorry, Billy, I forgot to send the title to you. An expectant heart. I want you to start expecting God to do good things for you. Believers should live expecting good things to happen in their lives. We're starting to see that diminish nowadays. Psalm 27 is a tremendous psalm, very encouraging. But I want to look at one verse tonight, and I want you to do what this one verse says. I want you to open the... We're going to go to Scripture tonight. I want you to see what it says. I want God to speak to your heart tonight about learning, about being an expectant person and, and having a heart full of faith and expectancy that God's going to help my family. God's going to do something for me, and He's going to be good to me. And this great verse, it has a tremendous truth. It's one verse, Psalm 27, 13, that says this. I would have lost heart unless I had believed I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want you to get that right there. I want that to happen in your life. What is about when the Bible says lost heart, what does that mean? You know, the Bible talks about out of heart, lost heart. I would be discouraged. I would give up. I'd live hopeless. If you don't believe you're going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, you're going to be a discouraged person. Now, I'm going to tell you something. My heavenly father is anti-discouragement. He hates discouragement. Discouragement is straight from hell. If you go to hell right now, spirit of hopelessness and discouragement, you know good and well your father. Listen, we don't live out of our heads, dear ones. We live out of our hearts. And a discouraged, defeated heart is going to keep you dragging. I want you to listen to the great promise in Hebrews chapter 12. Run with endurance the race set before you, fixing your eyes on Jesus, lest you become weary and discouraged. Now, what does that verse tell me right there? What is, what is my Heavenly Father speaking to me through that verse? I don't want you to be tired, and I don't want you to be discouraged. Listen, those who wait upon the Lord should run and not be weary. We want to walk and not faint. And the Bible says here, I would have lost heart and lived discouraged and hopeless and given up if I didn't believe God's going to do something good for me. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's called an expectant heart. I want this to be right here in you. I'm not just talking about positive thinking. I'm talking about the Spirit of God doing something right here so that you, get, you just live your life knowing God's going to do something good for me. You, you'll have no problem taking your problem straight to Him and saying, He's going to help me. My life is going to be so good. God of heaven is going to help me. That's an expectant heart. And that's what it means that you, you don't lose heart. All right. <clears throat> You ever heard of faith? Anybody ever heard of faith? It's his favorite thing. And when we leave this lost, pagan, live like I want to live world, and we begin to walk with Jesus, it's a faith walk. I'm going to define faith for you. I want you to listen to the definition. It is to live your life expecting the Father to do many good things for you. People tell me, well, I believe in God. I thought, the devil does that. That ain't going to do you no good. The Bible said in James, you say you believe in God, you do well. The devil believes in God. Faith is to believe God's going to do a lot of good things for me. That's faith. That guy who created the universe is going to help me. I want you, let's turn and look at that. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. I got to uh, repetitious you on these great foundational truths. But Hebrews chapter 11, let the Bible define what stuff is. Go to the Word for your definitions. Hebrews chapter 11 is very clear about the definition of faith. And the Bible said this in verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen yet. Now, we need to be a people that are hoping for good things to happen. My kids are going to do great. My marriage is going to be great. I'm going to be healthy till the day I fall over, and I'm going to be as strong at 85 as I was at 40. That's Joshua chapter 24. It's all based on God's Word. 
God's going to put the right people in my life. I'm going to be successful at what I do. I'm going to be blessed financially. I'm going to have an impact in this earth. You know what that's called? That is the substance of things hoped for. Have we reached a place in this land where we've stopped hoping for great things to happen? We were not born. God didn't create us to sit on this planet and suck eggs and get by till we die. He created people to dream and expect great things. Don't you see it when they say, yes, little kids, what you going to be? I'm going to be a brain surgeon. Brain surgeon? You can't even do the alphabet yet. I'm going to be a fire. All these dreams. And they get out of high school, them long valedictorian speeches. We're going to change the world. Then you can't even change your tire by the time you're 40. And we sort of lose hope over the years. We're supposed to grow in hope through the years. We're supposed to be, a, listen, guess why they call them believers? Guess why they call us believers? Because we, now you're getting it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Verse six, without faith it's impossible to please the father. He who pursues God must believe that he is, and he's going to do something for people who chase him. You know what faith is? You know there's a God and he's going to do something for you. That's what faith is. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, you just, you have to have faith to walk in this life. And faith is believing there is a God. Somebody put that sun up there. Somebody put this beauty around me. Somebody created me. He's going to do something for me. God's going to do something for me. It's called faith. It's not will I make it through, but that, it's just expecting great things to happen. Listen, believers, if the spirit of God is in believers, we should be a people that expect great things to happen. All right. <clears throat> we're expecting faith. Now, again, we're going to focus tonight on Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart. If I didn't believe, I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's going to do something. I'm not going to live disappointed. He's going to answer my prayers. I can listen to people pray and tell whether they expect them to be answered or not. Why waste time praying if you don't expect them to do what you ask? I'm fixing to get crazy here. It's just a Wednesday night, but I'm going to get crazy. Prayers should be answered. I'm so tired of big-headed preachers explaining why they're not answered. Won't you let Jesus tell you, I'll answer your prayers. And we need to believe that when we pray, something's going to happen. And the God of heaven is going to move on my behalf. But to live your life encouraged, hopeful, confident, expectant, that's called faith. All right, let's talk about the how. How do I get there? I, uh, I'm like you. I look around the land today and I see people that are... There's just a hopelessness settling across the land. And the Bible said this in Isaiah chapter 60. In the latter days, darkness would cover the earth. Deep darkness to people. I'm seeing it. You're seeing it too. You know what that darkness is? It's fear and hopelessness and are we going to make it? Can I ask you a personal? You still look at the crazy things in the earth. Let me ask you a personal question. Has the almighty God who created the heavens and the earth diminished one bit? Is he not still the same? Yes, he is. That's my father. That's the one who laid down his life to look after me. Let me give you the linchpin verse for all of it. It's in uh, Romans chapter eight when it says this. He gave his son for you. Will he not freely give you everything else? If I give you my child, I'm gonna pay you light bill. I mean, if I'll give my son for you, you don't think I'll take care of you. Then I'm gonna tell you something. We have got to get a new revelation of the goodness of God and how well he wants to take care of us and the things he wants to do. Listen, for you, you personally, How do I get there? An expectant heart comes from hearing God's voice. You can have a head as big as a tractor trailer and and nothing happened. You got to hear God's voice with your heart. But when you hear God's voice with your heart, something's going to rise up inside of you and you're going to know we're going to be taken care of. That man's going to be good to me. That's called a living faith. We're not talking about knowledge. We're talking about a living faith. 
but an expectant heart comes when you hear God speak to your heart. When he speaks inside your heart. The greatest need of my life is to hear the voice of God. Greatest need of your life. Now, hearing the voice of God comes in two places. Turn to, we're going to look at two of them. Turn to, to Romans chapter 10. Have you ever met somebody, they, they just glowed in the dark in their heart. They just were full of faith and hope and they just knew and they got their prayers answered and, and they, just, they just had something about them. You went, what is it they've got? They meant they've got, they got a living faith. And they're not positive people. We're not talking about positive thinking. We're not talking about something you work up. We're talking about something God puts inside of you here. And it comes by the Spirit of God. But I want you to look at Romans. This is a foundational verse. Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word or the voice of God. Dear ones, when God speaks, something happens in your heart. My devotional this morning, I'll give you an example. It's in Mark chapter 5. There was a man, he was a preacher who didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the enemy of Jesus and he was preaching against Jesus. He was a Pharisee. But his daughter got sick and almost died and that changed his attitude toward Jesus. And in Mark chapter 5, he went to see Jesus. He'd been, he'd been preaching against Jesus. He went to see Jesus and he said, my little daughter is at home, very sick. Please lay your hands on her that she might live. Took a lot of nerve to go ask somebody for help that you've been talking ugly about. Let faith, listen to this. Next verse said, so Jesus went with him. Do we serve a great God that even his enemies can ask for help and he'll help them? And the Bible said that, what do you, like this guy, how many of you love your children? You've got a daughter fixing to die and your heart's crushed and you go ask Jesus and Jesus looks at you and says, I'll do it. What happens right here when that happens? Because you heard what the man can do. You've seen the people he's healed. You know he can help her. So they start walking and all of a sudden in the distance he sees his servants coming toward him, two servants, and he knows. And they get to him and they said, do not bother the teacher, she's dead. What happens in a man's heart when he just got told his daughter died? And see, his ho- he got his hope up because Jesus is coming and this is the only man on the earth that can put his hands on people and heal them. And his heart's just crushed and he's just standing there and all of a sudden he hears this. Jesus leans over and whispers in his ear and he says, do not be afraid, believe in me. Listen, that man didn't have to say, okay. When God spoke that into his heart, something inside of here exploded. Faith rose up and he knew now he's going to raise her from the dead. He just, here's the theological term. You just know that you know down in your knower. We're talking about heart faith, not head faith, heart faith. But when God speaks, something happens right here. And you just, you know that you know that you know that you know. That's called an expectant heart. You just, but it only comes by hearing the voice of God. Faith comes by hearing. You got to hear God speak and hearing by the voice or word of God. Now, uh, we got to settle this issue. God still speaks today. I got preachers say he doesn't speak today. Let me make an announcement. Just because the train don't run by your station no more don't mean the trains quit running. <laughs> he still speaks today. And I'm, listen, let's, don't go by my word. Let's look in the Bible and see if God will speak to you today. Turn with me to John chapter 16. Did he speak when he walked on the earth? There was the Bible is a book that spans 6,000 years and on every page he's talking to people. What makes you think he quit talking? I mean, he spoke to Adam, he spoke to Moses, he spoke to everybody. God's been speaking for, he's still speaking in the earth. And in John chapter 16, I want you to see, this is the great promise of Jesus. Now remember John 16, he's, he'll be arrested in a few hours and he's going to leave the guys he loves so much. I want you to, and he's getting them ready for, he said, I'm fixing to leave you. They're going to arrest me, I'm going to be killed tomorrow. 
And he makes one of the greatest promises, and this applies to me and you today, in John 16. Oh, let's look in verse 7. He said this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Listen to that promise. I remember as a young man thinking, if I could have walked beside Jesus, if I could have been that one of those fishermen that got to walk beside Jesus, would that not have been a hoot? I'd have, as those boys did, they gave up their careers, they gave up everything to walk with Jesus and see what he could do. And I thought, man, I'd love to have done that. What's that verse say right there? I got something better than walking beside Jesus. Did he not say it's to your advantage that I go away? And if I go away, I'm going to send somebody back. Is the him that he's going to send back. He said, when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God back. And, and he will be with you. And what is, what is the title for the Holy Spirit in that verse right there? It's got a capital H. What's he called? Helper. Guess what a helper would do? They're getting it. Helper will help you. The Spirit of God is in the earth to help you. I right, watch what he'll do. And he, he's talking about this spirit he's going to send to us. Watch what he said to do in verse 12. I still have many things to say to you. You're not ready yet. Listen to me. God's got a lot to say to you. Do you want to talk to your children and love them and encourage them? What's that verse say right there? God's got a lot of things to say to you. I still have many things to say to you. But now you do understand that we're not ready to hear some things yet. There's things I tell my 30-year-old kid that I didn't tell them when they were four. And you speak to him over their lifespan. He said, I've got so many things to say to you through your life. Watch what the Bible said in verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. How'd you like somebody to lead you every step of your life into all truth? He'll guide you into all truth. What's these words? He will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. Did he just tell you right there, the Holy Spirit will speak to you? Why do we still doubt that God speaks today? And he will tell you things to come. The Holy Spirit tells me things coming down the road. And he'll tell you things to come. This is this craziness where religious people look at you like you're weird because you say God talks to you. No, you're weird if he don't talk to you. <laughs> Seeing how my sheep hear my voice. What did he say? He said, listen, I'm leaving, but it's better. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to talk to you. I got a lot to say to you. And he'll be the one to tell you what I got to say to you. And he'll lead you in all truth. And he'll tell you everything. We, we, listen, he'll talk to us. Let's finish reading this. Uh, verse 14, he will glorify me. He'll take what's mine and declare it. What does it mean to declare? He'll speak it to you. Verse 15, all things the Father has are mine. I said he will take of mine and speak to you. Now, don't you ever, look, don't you ever forget that passage right there. That passage makes it undeniable that the Spirit of God inside of you will talk to you. And Jesus has got a lot to say to you and he'll tell you things. But listen to me. When the Holy Spirit speaks, it's just not blabbering. He doesn't just impart information. He speaks to your heart. And when you hear him with your heart, something happens inside of here. Listen to me. When God speaks to your Holy Spirit, speaks to your heart and says, fear not about something going on in your life, fear not. You couldn't be afraid if you wanted to. Because when he speaks, the power to do it comes with his voice. Do you understand what I'm saying here? You know, when he speaks to you and he says, don't be afraid of what's coming up, the fear just leaves. He doesn't just puke out information. When he speaks, something happens right here. And when he speaks uh, about things he wants to do, you just know beyond the shadow of a doubt, it's done. 
you, you have a, you have a heart, in your heart, you just know it's done. He, don't just, he doesn't just send words, he sends power. And he speaks to your heart. And that's where, that's where an expectant heart comes from. It comes from hearing the voice of God. And I got things in my life. I pray all the time for people all the time. I got things going on in my life right now. If you were to look at them in the natural, you would say, ain't no way. Hopeless. But let me tell you something. When God speaks, you, you, something happens in you and you go, ain't no way it can't not happen. I know it ain't proper English, but it's pretty good preaching. Ain't no way it can't happen. You just know it's going to happen. And sure enough, in due season, it comes to pass. You say, I knew that the whole time. That's a living faith that comes into your heart and you live expect. He tells you things and you just go, watch this. It's just in you. You just watch this. Listen to me. I would have lost heart unless I had believed by revelation. I will see God do good things in the land of the living. I'm going to see him. Be, I, and times I'll, I'll, he'll show me what he's going to do and I'll begin to pray. It'll get worse. Well, I just say, watch this. Watch this. Then when God cannot lie. When he speaks something in your heart, it's going to come to pass. Matter of fact, it gets worse. It's just fun to watch it. You just enjoy it. All right, listen to me. As we feed on God's word, that's why the word is so important. As we feed on his word, especially his promises, the Holy Spirit comes in with those promises and something happens right here. I'm telling you, his word is magic. We've talked about this before. This word's got power to it. And when I, I think I've told you, I, I meditate the promises of God all the time. There's no other way. And I meditate those promises and I chew on them, especially the ones that are applied to what I'm going through right now. And the Spirit of God, I can feel it right here. Something just rises up in here and it's a living faith. And you just know, for instance, different people have different gifts in certain areas. One of my gifts is money. I'm not to make it. That's illegal. Um, I mean, to believe God for money. There's a gift in the... Bad spot for me. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Stay over there, Lucifer. I'm staying over here. <laughs> but the Bible says there's a gift called faith. Well, I have a gift of faith, but I have a gift of faith in the area for finances, for my church, my family, and different things. I'm not going to tell you because you don't want your right hand to know what your left hand is doing, but I have never, it's never crossed my mind to worry about money in my entire married life. I've never, I've just, I can just believe God for money. It just shows up for my family, my church, different things we want to do. It's no effort whatsoever, but it's, it's just a gift of faith, but it comes by hearing. And I just, I, it's hard to understand. Well, other people got other gifts in other areas. But let me tell you something. You need to hear the voice of God about what you're going through in your life. Whether it's a personal situation, something you're struggling with, a bondage you've got, you're discouraged about the future. If you hear the voice of God, you, you, let me tell you what you'll say. I would have lost heart had I not heard that. Unless I believe God's going to do something for me. I'm talking with a young girl not long ago and. uh, she said, you know, I've ruined my chance to have a good marriage. I messed up. I said, who told you that? She said, well, I just know. I said, who told you that? <laughs> See, she didn't realize old Hornyhead had been pumping this junk in here. And I said, is anything too hard for my great God? I said, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be married to a great man that loves God and adores you? And if she says no, well, then she's not supposed to be. But if she says yes, guess who put that in there? And so... Uh, Man, the chances don't look good. Listen to me. Pour water on the offering and call out to God and watch what he does. If that's in her heart, he put it in there and all she needs to do is just say, watch what he does. And don't go to Horny Saloon looking for somebody. Wait till God brings them. Can I get a witness? Don't booger the process up. He knows where you are. He will, listen to me, he will give you the desires of your heart. But 
but the Spirit touches our hearts and faith grows. I want to show you something. Turn me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. I got to knock the religion off you. And I mean, I got to knock the religion off you so you can get help. Uh, then when the Bible, the Bible is a book that, that screams, God is good. And we're going to look at what goodness means. Now, let me ask you a question. What does it mean God is good? Does that mean he doesn't cuss? Does it mean that he's pure? Of course he is. But what is, what is goodness in the Bible for him? Right, let's look at it. Psalm 103. I'm, I'm going to just read a few verses. I'm going to just cruise around through the neighborhood until I get where we want to be. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Bless his holy name. And forget not all his benefits. Don't let this leave your mind. Who forgives all your iniquities. I'm going to tell you something. The devil in hell will fight you over that one. He'll show you pictures. He'll replay old videos. He'll drop shame on your head. You need to open this book and say right there, my sins are forgiven. He's forgiven all my iniquities. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction. Screw it up, he'll fix it. Screw your life up, he'll fix it. But you got to believe he'll do it. I just love watching him take messes. You know, what he's, you know what his hobby is? To take screwed up lives and make miracles out of them. Amen. He's just good at this kind of, I mean, he's really good at what he does. Amen. He redeems people's lives from destruction. He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy. You go to church, sometimes you get criticism and condemnation. Then when God speaks, it's tender mercy. And he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth's renewed like this. You can read the whole things. But it talks about the goodness of God to people. Now, here's the question. Why should the God of heaven do anything for me? I don't deserve his goodness. I'm not a great person. I committed as many sins as the next three people put together. I never done anything for him. Why should he be good to me? Here's the, here's the good part. It has nothing to do with me. It doesn't have anything to do with me. I want you to see what the scripture, and don't you ever forget this scripture right here, Psalm 103, 13. As a father has a tender heart toward his children, so the Lord has a tender heart toward those who honor him. Now, fear doesn't mean be scared of it. It means you disrespect him. You honor him as a father. That's a, that's a, that's a game changer verse right there. You know why? I don't do things for my children because they've earned it. Although I got pretty good kids. I didn't pay the bills for those kids and love those kids and sacrifice for those kids because they deserved it. I did what I did for those kids because of who I am. You understand that? The reason a mother pours her life out for her children and would lay down her life for her children, it's not because they're great kids. It's because of what's in her heart. Listen, you, you know what? Religion says you've got to earn it. If you're good, he'll be good to you. That's a devil's lie. What does the Bible teach? God is good to people because he is good. As a father has a tender heart toward his children, so the Lord has a tender heart toward those who look up to him. This is why the Bible, over and over, it talks about when you pray, remember this, say this, our father, we're talking to a father, and if you being evil will give good gifts to your children, how much more? If, if a son asks a father, for, listen to this, I'm going to quote this to you, this is out of Luke 11. If a son asks a father for bread, would he give him a rock? What a dumb question. I mean, if your child was hungry and asked for breakfast, you'd eat them rocks, boy. Can you see what he's saying? You're good to your children. Why do you think I wouldn't be to mine? Yeah. And we've got to get off this I've earned it stuff. We've got to get off this deserving stuff. The truth is it is the grace of God. It's the kind that he helps people because he is good. And this is, this is where our hearts feed on this kind of stuff. It's, it's a father's heart of compassion. Now, dear ones, 
for a long time as a Christian, I didn't, I never got prayers answered because I didn't expect God to do much for me because I wasn't a very good person. That is religious poison. That is straight from hell. And that infects people's lives. But the, what happened to me, I messed them up. I got in the Bible, which messes everybody up. And I began to read all through the Bible where nobody deserves anything. But he's good to those who don't deserve it. And this began to get down in my heart. And I began to realize it's not about my goodness. It's about his goodness. And you got to get this down in your spirit. You got to let him talk this stuff to you. Matter of fact, uh, <clears throat> I want us to look at the goodness. The good, when we're talking about, I many of you believe the Lord is good. I figured I had nobody fuss with me on that one. But the question is, what does that mean? What does goodness mean? Let's turn and look at what Jesus said when he taught us about goodness. In Matthew chapter 20 is the great picture where Jesus said, let me explain to you what it means that God is good and I am good. All right, in Matthew chapter 20. I love this. He's taught me more through this little pandemic. You know what a parable is, don't you? It's where Jesus takes a story that didn't really happen to explain a great spiritual truth about life or explain the truth of life. And I want you to see in this parable, this is the parable about the goodness of God and it defines what goodness is. And I want you to look at this parable and remember this parable. And we need to go over this in many a time. All right, verse, chapter 20, verse one, the kingdom of heaven is like, now just stop right there. God is like. The way God, the kingdom of heaven is when God's working in the earth, the way God helps people. Then he said, let, let me, what does it mean like? I'm going to paint you a picture of what God is like. Why? Because I want you to know what God's like. I want you to know how he works in people's lives. And he paints this great picture and uh, you'll get it. He said this, it's like a landowner, wealthy landowner, who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. All right. So this guy owns a, a huge vineyard. The grapes are ready. I don't know you, you, if you don't know about grapes. They have to be picked when they're ready. Well, if you've got a great big vineyard, you can't go out there and do it yourself. You've got to have day labor. So he needs, it's time. time We've got to have the grapes right now because it's ready to make wine out of them. So it's time to pick. Verse two, he agreed with the laborers for a Darius a day and sent them into his vineyard. All right, he goes to the day labor place and he says, I need help picking grapes today. I need hard time to get my grapes in. And so they reach and agree, they dicker back and forth and they agree on a denarius a day, which today, uh, they work 12 hour days then. It's four unions, 12 hour days. And uh, this would be uh, maybe $120. It'd be a day's wage for a laborer. So we'll say let's say $100, we can handle that better. This cheap guy, $100. So he said, I'm gonna pay $100 for a day who wants to work. Three or four of them raises, we'll work for $100 a day. All right, he says, get in a truck, let's go. Sends him out there. Verse three, he went out about the third hour, which is actually nine o'clock. The third hour of the day, nine o'clock. They've been working three hours and he found others standing idle in the marketplace. He said, you go in the vineyard and whatever is right, I will give you. How many of you go to work with somebody not knowing what they're going to pay? They didn't haggle the price. He just said, get in a truck and I'll, I'll do right by you. Well, apparently then nobody had hired them. They didn't know they'd have work. So they get in the truck and they go. And remember, this is nine o'clock. The first crew went in at six o'clock. This crowd goes in at nine o'clock. Let's follow him a little further. All right, at the 11th hour, he went out, found others standing idle. And he said to him, uh, I'm sorry, I missed this. Back up to verse five. He went out about the sixth and the ninth hour, did the same thing. Right, got his, he went out at six o'clock in the morning, hired these guys for $100. At nine o'clock, he goes back, hires some more. At 12 o'clock, he goes back. Apparently, they've, over, they've underestimated how many it's going to take. So it goes back at 12. He goes back at three o'clock in the afternoon. Now they work from six in the morning, to six at night. He goes at three o'clock in the afternoon and, and says, 
why y'all not working? They said, well, nobody hired us. He said, get in a truck and I'll, I'll do right by you. It's five o'clock. They've been working 11 hours, one hour before they quit. His supervisor says, if I had a few more hands, we'd get it all in today. He runs back up the day labor place at five o'clock after they've been working 11 hours. And uh, verse six, at the 11th hour, which is five o'clock, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why you been standing here all day? They said, nobody hired us. He said, get in a truck, go, and, go to the vineyard. Whatever's right out, you'll receive. He said, you get in a truck. I need help. I'll, I'll do right by you. So they went not knowing what they get. All right, you got it? Now, remember, what are we talking about here? We're talking about cheap wine. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to teach you what God's like. This is what the kingdom of God's like. And this is a picture to show us the goodness of God. All right. <clears throat> and uh, verse eight, the evening came, six o'clock. Owner of the vineyard said to the steward, call the laborers, line them up, give them their wages, beginning last to first. He said, line them up last to first. So he goes over, pulls down the tailgate on his pickup truck, takes out the cash box, says, y'all line up, I'm going to pay you. But line up last to first. So you got a line of guys here. I don't know, maybe 30 guys here. And they're, they're going to walk up to him. He's going to pay them out the cash box. Watch what happens. When those came who were hired about the 11th hour, they received $100. So they, they, they came up at five o'clock. So they worked one hour and got $100. Maybe you know $100 for one hour of day labor is good. All right. Now, now think with me because you're fixing to think with me. You got them lined up uh, least of most. You're in the back of the line and you're watching up there and you've agreed for a hundred dollars and you look up there and that, that guy's been here one hour and they gave him a hundred dollars. Guess what you're thinking now? I'll take the whole crowd to Golden Crowd tonight. It's going to be payday right here. Suck it to me. Man, if they gave him a hundred dollars for working one hour, wonder what he'll give me for working 12 hours. Well, you're fixing to see is what he said. I don't know why I'm telling you when read the thing. All right. When the first came, uh, they supposed they'd receive more. I guess so. Because, <clears throat> let me make sure I got this right. How many of you know what fair is? How many of you think people ought to be fair? I've heard people say that's not fair. Let me make an announcement. You listen to me. I do not want God to be fair to me. Amen. Last thing I want him to do is give me what I deserve. Last thing you'll ever hear me do is say, treat me like I deserve. That ain't happening right there. Do not be fair to me. All right. So they get lined up and they, they suppose they'd receive more and they received $100. All right, somebody go ahead and say it. Go ahead and say it. We're Americans. Go ahead and say it. That's not fair. It's not fair, is it? He paid, this guy sweat his rear end off for 12 hours out in the hot sun picking grapes. He earns $100. This guy shows up. He works one hour and drinks, drinks water 20 minutes of that. And he gets $100. I mean, that's not fair. Y'all think that's fair? Come on, that's not fair. Praise God, it's not fair. Remember, this ain't, about, this ain't about labor and unions. He's trying to teach you what God is like. This is about what God is like. And the main message is here, God is not fair and you need to be glad. I'm thankful. All right, because religion says God is fair. Jesus says he's not. All right, verse 11, when they received it, they complained. So you know they're a Baptist against the landowner. I'm sorry, I meant church people. They complained against the landowner. Now, all right, you got this. They, they're so excited. They a hundred bucks. What are we going Cuba. They get up and he hands them a hundred dollars. Guess what they start doing? They start complaining. How many of you complain? Oh, aren't we spiritual tonight? 
you let your company give somebody who's been there less than you a raise and see if you don't whine. I mean, they just got real. I mean, they worked their rear ends off 12 hours, $100. And that guy did nothing against $100. Not fair. That's the whole point of the thing. But it's not fair. So they complained against the landowner. Here they go, verse 12. Here's their complaint. These men worked only one hour and you made them equal to us who borne the burden and heat of the day. What did they say? It's not fair. Now they're complaining to the I've heard people pray like this right here. <clears throat> All right, now listen to me. The next few verses, you fix and learn what God is like. He answered one of them and said, friend, I'm not doing you wrong. Didn't you agree with me for a Daenerys? Fair or not? What do you think? Here's the message. You better be careful agreeing with God way down low. Get your prayers up high. And he said, I, this is what we agreed on. It's what, you, it's what you said you wanted. So I gave it to you. All right, and here's the, great, here's the great verse. Verse 14, take what is yours and go your way. Watch these words. I wish to give to this last man the same with you. What's this parable about? I want to teach you what God is like. You tell me what that verse teaches me about God right there. Did it say, I wish to judge people because they make mistakes? Does it say, I wish to throw people in hell? What does it say? I want to give things to people. Was, this is the heart of God. I love to give things to people they don't deserve. Everything he's ever given me, I didn't deserve. The only thing I've earned in my life is a one-way ticket to the hottest corner of hell. Anything I got better than that's grace. And he has loaded my wagon. I don't deserve it. You know why? Listen, listen, if you want to learn about God, read that verse right there. God wishes to give. He wishes to give things. He just loves to give. You ever met anybody like this? They just love to give stuff away. He said, I wish to give. Now let's, let's answer some questions. Verse 15. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Yeah or nay? Or if the landowner says, it's my money. If I want to give my money away, is it legal? Is it legal for a man to give his own money away? We're not talking about a landowner. We're talking about God here. Let me ask you a question. If God Almighty can cleanse the human heart and make it happy, is it legal for him to do mine? If God Almighty wants to give me the greatest wife any man ever had, even though I don't deserve her, is it legal? Yeah, because he owns everything. If he wants to bless me financially, even though I don't deserve it, is it legal? I love this stuff. If God wants to give me the greatest friends in the world, even though I don't deserve it, is it legal? Guess why it's legal? He owns everything there is. I mean, if he wants to give it away, that's his business. All right, let's answer the question now that we talked about goodness. Verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do wish with my own things? Watch this. Is your eye evil because I am what? Good. What do you say? What did God call himself right there? He said, I'm good. All right, now tell me something. When the Bible says the Lord is good, it doesn't mean that he doesn't curse and smoke and drink. You know that. <clears throat> Even though there's smoking in heaven, he don't, he don't do it, I don't think. You heard about them. They lit up on camels. So it had to be up there. All right. But now listen to me. What is goodness? What is his goodness? The goodness of God is to give people things that don't deserve it. That's the point of the whole passage. He said the kingdom of God is like a man who is loaded and he's rich. And his delight is in giving things people they don't deserve. Doing things for people that they didn't deserve. Is that the God you know? Is that the God we know? See, the God I was introduced to as a young man is sort of like the Wizard of Oz. He keeps making the list higher and he's mad because you don't do more. Now, this is the God. I, let me tell you, something. I pray to him all the time. And I say, I want to praise you and thank you that you pay 12 hours wages for one hour's work. Yeah. That you give me 12 times what I deserve and I don't deserve anything. 
This is the kindness of the Lord. It's undeserved generosity. And how many of you know to pay, say like you, you pay this plumber or something and you give him $5 tip. That's all right, isn't it? What if your plumber came to your house and he worked for you and charged you $100 and you gave him $1,200? That's sort of over the top, isn't it? What's this saying right here? Then as you follow Jesus, he pays over the top. And he, we're not talking about cash money here. You know that. We're talking about the goodness of the Lord. And uh, this, the question is, I've seen this in Christians. He asked this question, is your eye evil? Because I'm good. What does that mean? Does the kindness of God to people who don't deserve it make you mad? Does the goodness of God make you mad? I've had preachers mad at me before, jealous, because I never went to seminary. I never had any training. I ain't got a lick of sense. Dumb cowboy. And God's given me a church 10 times the size of theirs. They don't think it's fair. Take it up with him. I don't deserve this. And I'd be just as happy in a church with two old snaggletooth women way out in the country. It matter to me. I'm just glad to be alive. There's jealousy over the goodness of God. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And I've seen people, they don't deserve that. That's the whole stinking point. Nobody deserves anything. I cursed his name every breath. I used his name in vain constantly. Live like the devil. And he just comes down, touches my heart, cleanses it. I fall in love with him. He blesses the fire out of me, sends me to school, gives me the greatest wife in the world, greatest friends in the world. Got a bright red bass boat. You don't get no better God than that. And he's blessed the fire out of me. You think I deserve that? Listen to me. I would have lost heart if I didn't believe I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And he's still blessing me. And people get here, say, you don't deserve it. That's the whole stinking point. Why do you think we sing to him? Why do you think we praise him? Then was get off this fair God and get to the God who's not fair. Get to the one who is because of the kindness of his great heart that he gives things to people. And listen, here, here's, here's, here's my point. This is why we get in the word of God so that our hearts can grow and we can hear him speak to us and we know God's going to help me. God's going to help me. Let me throw something in here. Turn with me to Mark chapter one. Mark chapter one. Now remember, Jesus came to this earth to show us what God is like. And I could take you many places, but I'll teach you one thing here. In Mark chapter one. All right, I, I get ill about the way people talk about prayer. People say, well, we, you know, we know the Lord can help you. We know the Lord can do anything. That's as useless as a stranger on a submarine. That ain't never helped nobody. <laughs> Knowing that he can do something doesn't help anybody. I don't want to know, can he do something? I want to know, is he going to do it for me? I want to know, is he going to help my family? I want to know when I pray for my kids, is he going to get hold of them? I want to know when I pray for my kids, is God going to get on them? And I, by get on them, I don't mean fuss at them. I mean, help them. Is he going to turn their hearts? I want to know when he helped. Listen, I'm not the best thing in the world to be married to. God knows I'm a clod. But I'm telling you, I want to be a good husband. I'm just not able. And I'm not the only one in the room either. But I got to believe that when I pray to him, I hear you say, treat your wife like Christ treats the church. I can't do it. I believe you to do it. I got to believe he'll do something for me. You know, when we got financial needs that are beyond just what my family needs, we want to help people big time. I ain't got that kind of money. Guess what I do? Help, Rhonda. I need some help down here. And I believe that God will do that. I, I shouldn't tell this. Hang on a minute. I got to think about whether I can tell it or not. Well, I'm going to tell it. I already said so. Please. It's just us tonight. Please don't think that I'm trying to impress you. You know, you know I'm lost apart from Jesus. 
I, 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 a need came up with a young man not long ago, and I, he just had a need a few weeks ago. And uh, I said, we, I told, asked my sweetheart, can we help him? She said, yeah. I said, we're going to help him. And so I wrote a check for $5,000 and sent it to him. God is my witness. Three days later, somebody unexpectedly handed us 50 $100 bills, which will get passed out again. I, I just, I'm telling you, the goodness of the Lord, you, and you, let me tell you something, that stuff's going to keep happening to me too. You know why? You know why it's going to happen? I'd have lost heart if I hadn't believed. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You, we're, we're born to be a people that believe God to do great things and believe Him to do great things for us and for other people as we pray for them and care about them. When Jay and Christy started living free, you know, that ministry, that, that's hopeless unless God's hands on it. I mean, you can build the building, you can have the place, you can bring them in, but God's got to touch their hearts. They have to believe God's going to help people. They got to believe something good's going to happen. All right, I want you to look at Mark chapter one. What a blessed passage here. Now, Jesus is revealing everything. Verse 40, Mark 1:40. A leper came to Jesus, begging, imploring means begging him, kneeling down, saying to him, now watch these words, and this is Mark 1:40. If you are willing, you can make me clean. We all know that, don't we? Everybody knows that. He knew that God could do it. He said, I know you can. What did he say? I just don't know if you want to or not. I know you can help me. I know, if you, I know you can if you're willing. I don't know if you want to or not. Listen to me. We got to learn something from this right here. Quit listening to preachers that don't preach the Bible. Quit listening to what people tell you. Believe what God tells you in this word right here. A lot of people with broken, messed up lives are wondering if God will help them straighten it out. Does he really want to help me? Isn't this the great question we all ask? I know God can do things. I just wonder if he'll do it for me. I wonder if he'll do it for my family. I wonder if he'll pick me up and, and bring hope back. I wonder if God will help me. I know he can. I maybe know he can. Yep. I think we all got that covered. We know you can. The question is, will you do it for me? I watch this. He said, I know. Let's read it again. Verse 40. A leper came down. You know what leprosy is? He's got outside cancer. Cancer is lepro leprosy. is cancer that eats you from the outside. And he's dying. He's going to die. And he knelt down. And he said, if you're willing, if you're willing, I know you can. Verse 41, then Jesus asked him, you hadn't been smoking, have you? Do you go to church? You hadn't been drinking, have you? You never used drugs. Have you? Don't give you a drug test first. Listen, learn about God right here. What the Bible says, Jesus looks at this man. The man's down on the ground. This very emotional scene. He says, I, I know you can help me. I just don't know if you want to or not. What does the Bible say? And Jesus was what? What does it say? Move with compassion. The heart of God is tender when people come to him. You've got to learn about him, man. He, he, his heart is tender. He's moved with compassion. And here's one of the greatest lessons you'll ever learn about our Heavenly Father. The Bible said he was moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. And he was healed. Let me ask you a question. Why did God want to help that man? Look at the verse. Because his tender heart. It was God does what he does, not because I deserve it, but because his heart is compassionate. When I pray for my children, I, it's not because I'm a neat guy and I'm a preacher. It's because he cares about my children more than I do. He did not create my children to be in a mess. He created my children to know him personally and be blessed by him. And when I pray for people, it's not, Lord, I've heard people pray, Lord, they deserve it. You ain't going to get no answer praying like that. <laughs> Who deserves anything? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
But the Bible said that he's moved with compassion. And listen, I want you to read those words where he said to Jesus, I know you can. I don't know if you want to. And Jesus said, I want to. And let me make an announcement. If he wanted to then, he wants to now. He's never changed. If he wanted to help people then, he wants to now. The, ba- the theological basis for that, if you're a scholar, is Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he'll help people then, he'll help people now. And this is, these passages, when I read these passages in the Bible, down in my heart something goes, he'll help people today. I begin to believe God will do great things today. We're going to pray for people. and see. I've been praying for people all day, different things that people need. And I, I used to, I used to, when I pray, used to feel like you had to work up a feeling to get your prayers answered. I just got to pray. So I'd get along and pray. I said, Lord, I'm going to pray for so-and-so and in the name of Jesus. Now, I don't know what I was trying to like, trying to get a feeling. <laughs> Written across the top of my journal is, I don't need a feeling. I've got a promise. I don't need a feeling. I've got a word from God. I don't need to feel like there's money in the bank. I need a statement. I don't care what I feel like. If I got the statement, I got it. I don't need a feeling. I've got a promise. And when we pray, we go to this book and we pray. And I believe him to do things. And I believe him to help people because of his compassion. Don't ever say, Lord, they've earned it. You're going to get killed. Say, because you are good. Because of the compassion of God and the tender heart of God that he's so willing to help people and do that. Let me, let me I got time. Let me show you one more. Turn me to Psalm 23. Let me go to one that you're familiar with here. Now, this is the purpose of the Bible is so that we don't lose heart and that we believe that God's going to do something great for people. Psalm 23. Oh, I'm sorry. I got two more. Well, I'll hurry. Y'all listen fast. All right. Tell me something. Have y'all memorized Psalm 23 yet? Most of you probably have. You need to memorize this. Dr. Mark Ruckman, who's a buddy of mine, he says, I pray Psalm 23 20 times a day or just speak it out. All right, listen to me. They say, that's that beloved funeral sermon. Do I have to die before I can get this stuff? This is not the beloved funeral sermon. This is where God is showing you what he's like. I listen to me. I want you to, I want you to just speak this out loud during the day sometime. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack or want. I'm going to have everything my heart desires in this life. I'm going to have everything I want in this life. And I, I do. I've got everything. I, if you were to say to me, what, what else can God give you? I'd say nothing. I got it. I got everything I want in this life. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me in the still waters, which is word. Listen to me. God restores my soul. I'm not going to walk around defeated and tired and discouraged. And when I get tired, I'm going to go to him and he's going to help me. And when I get run down, I know to go. I get under the spout where the glory comes out. You understand what I'm talking about here? I'm, I'm wanting to get to one verse, but I like this thing. So I'm going to read the whole thing. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. I do not have to worry if I'll screw up in life. God's leading my life. He's ordering my steps. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Guess why? Guess why? Guess who's standing right there? He's right there. I want you to live a fearless life. And when the Spirit of God speaks verses like this into your heart, you just launch out into the day knowing I have nothing to be afraid of. I mean, we're not talking about redneck Rambo. We're just talking about the touch of God. Come on, angels, let's go. But let me show you something great. What it, why is it because of that? Your rod and your staff relax me. I had a shepherd carried two sticks. He carried a rod and he carried a staff. You know what the rod is for, don't you? That's about as big around as my forearm and about three, four foot long. The rod was for what? The enemies, wolves, bears. 
Guess what the staff was for? You ever seen the shepherd's crook? Guess what the staff is for? Come back here. Come back here. I couldn't run from him if I wanted to. You know why I don't worry about screwing up in life? Come back here, son. His staff causes me to relax and know, even if I screw up, he's going to chase me. You can relax in life when you get his word inside your heart and faith comes. I'm trying to get to, I'm just going through this to get to the good one. God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Ask me if I love that. Golly, not only do I get to enjoy Jesus, he makes the devil stand in the corner and watch us. I'm going to take my son out to eat at grill 584 and I'm going to make the devil stand in the corner and watch us have fun. What do you think it means? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Stand there and look all you want to. Listen to me. Don't mess with me when the big boy's in town. I'm I'm still not the verse I want to get to. This is all good. Anoints my head with oil. Here's the verse I want you to see, verse six. Surely, you know what surely means? I know this is going to happen. Goodness and mercy will chase me all the days of my life. I'm 64 years old. I got a few years left. Every day of my life, the mercy of God, which means loving kindness, God's going to love me. And what else? God's going to do good things for me. Every day of my life, he's going to do good things for me. You say, you think so? You didn't hear it. Surely. Every day of my life, God's going to put his smile on me. He's going to love me and he's going to do good things for me every day. There'll never be another day in my life that God doesn't do good things for me. This is what it means that when the word of God gets in your heart and comes alive and you begin to have a living faith and this thing rises up and you just know, I would have lost heart if I didn't believe. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's going to do good things for me. I just, I wake up every morning and say, we're going to have a blast today. That's not positive thinking. That's called faith that comes from hearing. I don't want to, can I do, God, let me do one more real quick. If I do it real quick, turn with me to Matthew chapter six. Matthew 6, I've got to show you something here. One of these days we're going to come in here, we're just going to start in Genesis, go all the way to Revelation. <laughs> Read the whole Bible. Genesis chapter 6. All right, dear ones, I want, I want God to do good things for you. I want Him to bless you tremendously. And, uh, but there's something we got to do. I knew it. I knew it. I might have to give up my Twisted Sister albums. I knew it. No, keep listening to it. If you want your head to hurt, listen to it. I don't care. There's one thing we have to do to have the blessing of God on our lives. What is it? You don't have to perform or be good. What is it? Read verse 6 with me, Matthew 6. When you pray, go into your room, shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in there in secret will reward you publicly. There it is. What's the one thing I have to do to have the touch of God on my life, my family, my finances, my health, my security. What's the one thing I have to do to have God do great things for me? I have to ask. I have to ask. I'm going to give you two of the greatest revelations I ever had that came out of that verse and this whole, which we're fixing to see the model prayer. Two great revelations. Here they are. God Almighty wouldn't tell me to ask Him for this stuff if He didn't want to do it. Am I deep here or what? When He tells me to let to do good things in my, do good things for me, protect me, pay our bills, bless our family. He told me to ask him for that. What kind of warped deity would tell me, ask me for it, and I'm not going to do it. If God told me to ask for it, that tells me he wants to do it. That tells me he's going to do it. 
But now here's the other great revelation. Listen to this. If he told me to ask him, guess what that tells me? He can't do it unless I do ask. If he could do it without me asking, I wouldn't have to ask. Listen to James chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you... There's just a lack of prayer that's costing us everything we need. I want to look at this. He told me, he said, go, go get alone. He said, if you'll get alone, I'll be there. Did God not promise you he'd meet you? And verse 6 said, go into your room, close the door, and your father will be in there. He'll see you. He'll see you. Well, I don't feel him. He didn't promise you'd feel anything. Now, most of the time I do, but show me in there where he said you'd feel something. He just said he'd be there. And you pray in that room. What he said to then I'll do something for you. And you say, well, I, I don't know what to say. He's got that taken care of too. Look in verse nine. When you pray, say these words to me. How easy can he make it? He just told you, go in the bathroom, close the door. I'll be there, bedroom, closet. I don't care, go in the barn. Meet me there. And when you get there, look at me and say these words. Can you not see that the man's trying to be good to you? I mean, I don't know what else he can do except pray for you and he can't do that. I watched this and he said, here's what I want you to ask me for. Say this to me. Father, praise your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth the same way it is in heaven in my life, my family, my church, my community. I want you to make it in my life like it is in heaven. You think there's people discouraged in heaven? You think they're nervous in heaven? You think they're having a great time in heaven? Make it like that right here. You think wives and husbands are fighting in heaven? You sure? Of course not. They love each other in heaven. Make it that way here. You think kids honor their parents in heaven? Make it that way here. You think people are starving in heaven? Make it that way here. He said, tell me to make your life like heaven on earth. Tell me to do that. He said, man, that's big. He's big. And uh, then he said this, verse 11, ask me to pay your bills. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, it's not talking about whole wheat. <laughs> Ask him to pay your bills. Now, listen to me. He's going to tell you, go get a job, but he'll take care of it. You know what financial, people say, if you had $3 million, would you have financial security? $5 million. You know what financial security is? When that prayer gets answered right there. When you know, God's going to take care of me. It's a quietness in your heart. You just know. I'm going to ask him. <clears throat> Forgive us our sins. Boy, this is the big one. Cleanse my heart. Get the junk out of my life that's upsetting me. Get the pain out of me. Get the rebellion out of me. You know what God's kingdom is? It's when the Holy Spirit of God comes to you and makes things right in your heart, gets the junk out. And what happens when he's done? What does it say? The kingdom of God's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Settle my heart down and make it whole. What's the next one? Fix my messed up relationships. Fix my messed up family ties. Fix my relationships and get them right. He is the relationship fixer. And then you talk about the big one, watch this. I want you to ask me for something else. Verse 13, protect me from temptation and build a wall around me so that Satan can't touch me and can't touch my family. Amen. What if he was to answer that prayer? What if you lived your life knowing <clears throat> God's going to do my life well? I'll never lack money to pay. I'll have all the money I need. I will always hear his voice. My heart will be clear. My relationship is going to be good. And he's going to crush Satan under my feet every time. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. You know what that's called? I would have lost heart unless I believed. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. 
He's going to fix me. He's going to do this for me. All right, I want to, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I got to quit here, but dear ones, I want you to live your life expecting good things to happen. I couldn't imagine when my, I'm going to pick up age. I see my young, I got a six-year-old child. I go by the room. They're sitting on the edge of the bed. It's late. I said, what are you doing up? I said, daddy, I'm nervous. I'm worried. I'm upset. What are you upset about, sweetheart? I'd go in there and sit down with her. So what's the matter? I said, I don't have a job. So of course you ain't got a job. Well, how am I going to buy it? I said, look at these fancy clothes I got here. See, my kids wore American Eagle. I wore Walmart. They wore American Eagle. Said, how am I going to pay for my clothes? I'd look at them like they'd hit their head on every limb coming down. So what's the matter with you? Well, daddy, I can't afford food. I said, you don't need to afford food. How many of you know a six-year-old don't need a job and don't need to worry about it? Guess why? Because they're great children. I'm so tired of hearing people talk about they got three magnificent children. You got three average children is what you got. Knock it off. <laughs> now, they're loved, but they're average, just like mine. You know why my six-year-old, every time I went by, they're going... They never were in their lives. Guess why? They, not because they were great people, not because they lived perfect lives, because they had a daddy that loved them and he was going to take care of them. God have mercy. 30 years old, they're still looking. I'm still looking after them. What in the world is this about? <laughs> Listen to me. It's about the father's heart. And you and I should have the same heart when we hear his heart. That's what faith does that rises up in there and we just, we relax like that. But then listen to me, you got to make a choice. I'm going to show you one more quick scripture. Last one, I promise. Turn to Acts chapter 27. Now dear ones, it's, it's all about choosing. Acts chapter 27. There was choosing to believe God and not believe in God is life and death. It's the difference of day and night. I've never seen a life so screwed up he couldn't make it wonderful. I've never seen a family so screwed up. And I've seen it happen over and over and over. He said he would. I've seen it happen over and over. The worst human being I've ever met personally is a guy named Russ Clear. Do you remember Russ Clear? We had Russ here years ago. Russ is dead now. Russ, uh, he had no home when he was a boy. It's just the craziest story I've ever heard. It's almost beyond belief. But he was raised in California. He had no home. And uh, at eight years old, he was on his own. He said, I would just sleep wherever I could lay down. I'd get food out of a garbage can. And to this day, he said, I've still got scars on my feet where rats would chew my feet where I'd lay down at night. And he said, I had nobody. He said, finally, a Hispanic lady saw me one day laying behind her shed and uh, fed me and sort of looked after me a little bit. He said, I got into high school and he got in drugs, got messed up. And Russ is huge. Uh, it's one of them weirdo deals that he's so big. And uh, he joined the Hells Angels became a Hells Angels and became a bodybuilder and a weightlifter, world champion weightlifter. He could, he could bench 600 pounds at one time, just a monster of a guy. Well, he, you know, dealing drugs and murder and all that mess, he ended up in San Quentin prison and he was in lockdown and he was crazy. He was demonized. He was just crazy as a loon. They kept him in lockdown all the time. When they'd move him, they'd take six guards to move him. They'd put that leather mask over his head so he couldn't bite him and mess. He was just demonized. He was just crazy as a loon. And uh, his life was just so screwed up. Now you see a guy like that and you think, I don't even know if I'm going to go witness to him or not. And I I love to talk to people about Jesus, but I think I'd witness, I'd mail him a witness. I'd mail it to him. what I just (laughs) mail it to him. He can read it if he wants to. He's absolutely demonized. I ain't no telling what all he did in his life, but he just, he was satanic and vile and filthy. 
and he was in lockdown one night. He said, one night I'm sitting there and he said, my mind was so scrambled and demonized. And he said, I heard steps coming down the walkway. Apparently it was a guard. And he said, the steps stopped right in front of my cell. Had a little hole about that big up here and about a half inch slot at the bottom. And he said, those steps stopped. And all of a sudden something slid under the door. And I looked down at his little paperback Gideon New Testament. And he said, the steps walked off. And he said, I, I didn't know how to read. He said, I picked that book up and I thought, this looks like a Bible. And he said, I opened it and said, my eyes fell on these words, love your enemies. And he said, I hated my enemies. I'm going to kill my enemies. I didn't even like my friends. <laughs> and he said, I can't explain it. But he said, so, and I, I said, ask me if I've heard this before. Something came over me, started right here. And just went all down through my being. And said, when it got done, I was sitting there weeping and I loved my enemies. And he said, I was completely changed. And he said, the next time the guards came to me, I said, you won't be needing that. And I want to ask y'all to forgive me for the way I've treated you. They like to fail out. And they thought it's a trick. It's a trick. He's going to do this and then he's going to stomp us individually. But he became the preacher in the prison courtyard out there. And he got out and he became a... Uh, traveling ministry, joined Faith Force. That's when he was with our church several years ago. I don't know if you remember or not, he came here one day and told his story. And we borrowed from the our jail, we borrowed orange jumpsuit. He preached in that jumpsuit and we bought new handcuffs. And he preached his entire time. No, he preached with his hands cuffed out here. Does anybody remember this? He preached with his hands cuffed and how Jesus is the bondage breaker. And he got done, he said, I'm going to tell you something. Of course, he's an older guy. Then he's pushing 50 then. He wasn't near as strong as he was. He said, I'm going to tell you something. I don't care what's holding you. But he said, Jesus could break it. Put his hands together like that and went pop. And those handcuffs fell right off. And he just broke through the handcuffs. And then, of course, he got cancer and died several years later. That's the most, Russ is the most screwed up person I ever met. Guess who straightened his life out? Somewhere along the way, somebody was praying for that man. Now, I'm a, now I said all that to say this. Tell me what your problem is. Tell me what you've got that God can't fix. Tell me how bad it is. I could tell you story after story of things that just looked absolutely impossible, but the touch of God came on it. Well, you know what? I expect that kind of stuff to happen. Ask me if I'd preach if I didn't expect to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living right here. And as we, we need to quit being a people who are just trying to get by and start being a people who expect God to do great big things. And guess where he needs to start? Fix me. Just Here's the greatest prayer you'll ever pray. Fix me. Fix me. I mean, fix me good. Fix me good. And then here's, here's an even better pray. Fix her. <laughs> fix us all. Pray, fix us all. The joy of living a life where you just expect God to do great things comes by hearing his voice. Get the promises of God. Get them in your heart. Meditate on them. And then listen to me. Start saying, oh, I forgot to read the verse. Acts 27. I'm sorry. Here. Hurry up. Hurry up. Hurry up. Acts 27. I'm sorry. All right. <clears throat> Hopeless situation. Everybody's dying. Things are not working out well. You ever been there? Can I ask you a question? Have you ever been there where it just weighed on you? Family problems, personal problems. I, I, today we have a problem with pornography. People struggle with pornography and people are losing hope. So I just can't help it. I know you can't. You're not to be beat up for it. You need the touch of God on your life. Amen. All right. They're in a hopeless situation. They're going to die. Everybody says they're going to die. And uh, let's look what happens. They're going to die. Verse 22, Acts 27, 22. He said, I urge you take heart, men. They're all saying they're going to die. Well, let's read verse 20. 
Neither sun nor stars appeared many days. No small tempest beat on us. All hope we'd be saved was finally given up. You know anybody's there? People giving up on their families, giving up on their lives. And he said, uh, verse 22, take heart, men. There'll be no loss of life among you. We're going to lose the ship, but we're going to live. There stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and I serve. He said, do not be afraid. Isn't it funny how the first thing God always says is quit being afraid. Well, quit being afraid. Paul, you're going to stand before Caesar and God has granted you all who sail with you. So listen, God spoke to his heart and he said, I know it looks like you're all going to die. They're in the worst storm they've ever been at. They have no idea where they're at. They've been driven for days in the Adiatic Sea and they're just in a dark storm. They have no idea where they're at. They're fixing to die. But he gets a word from God in his heart that nobody's going to die. God's going to take care of you. Watch verse 25. Therefore, take heart, men. Watch these words. I believe God, it will be just like it was told me. Can you do that? Can you do that? Can you be where it looks like everything around you is falling apart, but you can say, wait a minute. I believe God, it's going to be just like he told me. And notice he said it out loud too. Dear I want you to reach a place in your life where this faith is in your heart from this word to where no matter what's going on, I mean, you look at the checkbook, you can look at your kids, you can look at your health, you can look at anything, the, the bondage, and you can just say, what God said in this word is going to happen is what's going to happen. Take heart, folks. God's going to do what he said he's going to do, and it'll be just like it was told them. And uh, this is all through the Bible. By the way, guess what happened? It was a miracle. God saved it. 274 people. Every single one of them lived. They lost the ship, but every single one of them lived. Guess why? Because one guy stood up and said, God's going to do something good for us. He's going to take care of us. And I want you to live like this. I want you to pray like this. I don't want you to see what's going to happen. I want you to open this book and see what's going to happen. Find out from in here what's going to happen. Listen, I have one son. I've told you this. I love my son dearly. I want to go back to Romans chapter 8 that I quoted to start with. He gave his own son for you. How will we not freely with him give you all things? I got one son I love dearly. Do you, and listen, I love y'all. I love my friends. But I do not love you as much as God loves you. I got one son and there ain't nobody in here I love enough to take him out back and let evil men nail him to that oak tree naked. And him screaming at me, why are you letting them do this to me? I don't love you that much. But the God who hung the stars in space loves you that much. And he did that for you. But listen to me. If I were to do that for you, if I were to do that for you, do you really not think I wouldn't change your tire? Pay your power bill. Help you straighten your mess out. Here's the point. He's already given you the best he's got. He'll give you everything else. I mean, his son is more valuable to him than the entire universe. He's already given you his son. He'll give you everything else. I would have lost heart unless I believed I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You can go ahead and say that out loud all day long, every day. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you and thank you so much. Thank you for the word of God that tells us that you're not, you didn't wind this universe up and throw us down here and see what will happen. You're a father who said, get alone, talk to me. I'll answer you. And if you don't know what to say, I'll tell you what to say. Ask me to do great things for you. Ask me to make it in your life like it is in heaven. Ask me to meet your needs financially and give you confidence. Ask me to cleanse your heart and get the garbage out so you can live a life. Ask me to fix your family. Ask me to fix broken friendships. Ask me to bring peace into your life. And ask me to jerk Satan out of your house. 
ask me to get the darkness out of your mind, out of your heart, out of your life. Ask me to be good to you. I want to thank you and praise you. You would not have written that in your word if you were intended on doing it. And I want to praise you and thank you for that. I just want to close tonight by saying thank you. I want to praise you and thank you that you pay 12 hours wages for one hour's labor. And I'm not the greatest laborer in the world. And I thank you that you are good. And I thank you for the kindness of the Lord. I pray for every person in this room. Let faith rise up in their hearts to where they go out here saying, God's going to do something for me. He's going to help me. I can ask him and he'll do things for me. I want to thank you and praise you for your goodness. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.